Tonight, raging floodwaters and the rising death toll in California. An endless onslaught of extreme weather. We saw the bridge go, and when that bridge went, there's no way out. The indiscriminate path of destruction. Montecito is under complete evacuation. Via Rail apologizes for holiday travel chaos. It was extremely awful, waiting for information that didn't come. Cold comfort for those who were trapped on a train for more than 20 hours. Plus, Joe Biden is coming to Canada. There's so much more we can be doing. Allies finding common ground at the summit in Mexico. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Good evening, everyone. A U.S. state with a population roughly the size of Canada's is feeling the relentless wrath of nature's fury tonight. And California is bracing for more potentially catastrophic storms. Millions are under flood alerts. At least 17 people are dead. And a search for a five-year-old who was missing has now been called off. The devastation a symptom of a changing climate. New numbers tonight reveal climate disasters in America alone last year caused $165 billion in damage and at least 474 deaths. CTV's Los Angeles Bureau Chief Tom Walters on the punishing parade of severe weather. Caught in a surging flood, a man has to be rescued from his own car. While waves break over the hood, a firefighter pulls him to safety. Elsewhere, two people had to be rescued after their vehicle plunged into a sinkhole and another came down on top of it. In San Luis Obispo County, the search goes on for a child carried away. The five-year-old boy was uh, swept out of a uh, truck. Among the latest casualties of California's drenching rainstorm, a driver and a motorcyclist killed when a tree came down on a highway. Toppling trees also account for many of the 100,000 Californians still without power. Falling rocks and mud have turned some roads into swamps, blocked others, and filled the streets of residential neighborhoods. It was just unbelievable. In the pricey enclave of Montecito, an evacuation order has now been lifted, but resident Ellen DeGeneres says the flooding remains. This creek next to our house never flows, ever. There is high water everywhere. Usually this section of the LA River would be little more than a trickle. Now it's a roaring torrent, and that's a major danger in a city with thousands of homeless, many of them living in rough encampments along the banks of the river. North of LA, as the Ventura River rose to record levels, firefighters had to rescue 18 people from a homeless camp, some of them by helicopter. All told, about 90% of Californians are under a flood watch. Everything is saturated, everything is at a breaking point, and there's more rain coming. Forecasters say another week of rain. So tonight, a state that has had enough is bracing for much more. Tom Walters, CTV News, Los Angeles. Backcountry skiers in western Canada are being warned of the dangers of snow-covered mountains this season after two police officers came in the path of a deadly avalanche. They had just gone skiing north of Caslow in southeastern B.C. when disaster struck. One officer has died 
And as CTV's Bill Fortier reports, the other is fighting for his life. In the small, tight-knit mountain city of Nelson, B.C., when tragedy hits, it hits hard. These are fine men and fine officers, and the whole community is hurting. Yesterday, two off-duty city police constables were sledding and skiing in a remote backcountry area near town when they were hit by a powerful avalanche. 43-year-old constable Wade Titteman was killed, buried by two meters of snow. A police officer for 15 years, he spent the last four with Nelson Police. He was a mentor and example to many of our junior officers. He'll be missed terribly by all of us. Wade has a wife and two boys, and our thoughts and prayers are with them. 28-year-old constable Matthew Nolay was rescued by a group of four other skiers who saw part of his arm above the snow line. He's in critical condition with serious injuries. Both are described as avid and experienced outdoorsmen both had emergency beacons on them. It's one of those times where even with taking the proper safety precautions, they were caught in an avalanche. Among the support and tributes pouring into Nelson, the Prime Minister tweeted that he's incredibly saddened to hear the news. Justin Trudeau lost his own brother to an avalanche in the same area in 1998. Yesterday, avalanche danger in the Kootenay region was listed as moderate and across large swaths of the western Canadian mountain ranges, Avalanche Canada is rating the risk of slides as considerable, meaning dangerous avalanche conditions. People need to adopt a conservative mindset and stick to simpler, lower angle terrain where you're less likely to ha trigger a large avalanche. And that elevated risk could be a problem for much of the winter. Forecasters say there's potential for dangerous avalanche conditions in B.C. and here in Alberta for weeks or even months. Omar. All right, Bill, thanks. Newfoundland's first snowstorm of the season shut down parts of the province today. Schools, buses and government offices were all closed throughout the Avalon Peninsula. While in St. John's, powerful winds reduced visibility, making driving conditions more difficult. But overall, the snow that did fall was not as bad as what forecasters had predicted. Bad weather was to blame for travel troubles in Alberta today. Low-lying fog delayed more than 60 flights to and from Edmonton International Airport, while at least 16 others had to be cancelled. The haze is being blamed on a temperature inversion where warm air settles over cooler air and pollution in the area is making it worse. Environment Canada predicts the poor air quality will last throughout the week. The travel chaos that knocked the holiday plans of so many train passengers off the tracks led to a public apology today from Via Rail. The company says it should have done a better job of sharing information and helping passengers and is offering refunds and credits. But as CTV's Heather Butts reports, some of those who were affected are demanding a lot more. Stranded, stressed, and trying to make it home for the holidays, it was a nightmare ordeal for hundreds of Via Rail passengers. Many of them, like Peter Duvniak, stuck on stalled trains for roughly 20 hours. It was extremely awful because I think we, were, we kept getting false hope that a solution was forthcoming. Now, two weeks later, VIA's president is addressing that nightmare, admitting they let passengers down. We didn't meet your expectations, and for that, we apologize. Those on the tracks had limited access to food. It could have gone terribly wrong in my, in, in my situation, especially with my animal, um, or even if I needed medication or something. 
While at train stations, frustrated travelers anxiously waited for information. Via blamed a severe winter storm and the derailment of a freight train as the source of disruptions along a major corridor through Ontario and Quebec. Definitely unsatisfied with the apology. The whole experience has been, been awful. Uh, to say the least. The apology comes a day after Via Rail and airlines were called to explain themselves before a parliamentary committee about lost luggage and ruined vacations. Thousands of individuals and families had particularly miserable experiences that were compounded by futile attempts at trying to get clear explanations. Some believe there's a need for tougher regulations, actions, not words. They don't have any rules associated with the level of customer service that you get. Waiting five or six hours on the phone for a carrier to answer to talk about what your flight options are, not acceptable. Via Rail says it will be reviewing its performance with the help of outside experts. Some passengers we spoke with say they want to be involved in that process. Omar. All right, Heather, thank you. The Prime Minister is in Mexico tonight for a summit of North American leaders where it was revealed that trip will lead to another. During a face-to-face -face meeting, Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden discussed plans for the U.S. president to make his first official visit to Canada since taking office two years ago. It will happen in March. That was just one of a number of issues where the leaders found themselves on the same page today. CTV's Judy Trin reports from Mexico City. The Mexican president welcomed his Canadian and American counterparts with some ceremonial pomp. But at the so-called Three Amigos Summit, it's Joe Biden who sets the agenda. We're true partners, the three of us, working together with mutual respect. An example is Canada's decision to buy a surface-to-air missile system from the U.S. for more than $400 million to help Ukraine. We'll give the Ukrainians the air defense that they need to protect cities and infrastructure. It is a significant capability, and Canada ponying up the money is a meaningful contribution. Biden also pushed Canada to lead a multinational force to stabilize Haiti. Gang violence and a cholera outbreak are adding to the surge of migrants at the U.S. border, but the prime minister deflected. But we need to make sure that the solutions are driven by the people of Haiti themselves. But Canada was able to resolve one of its own border irritants. It made progress in fixing the backlog in the Nexus Trusted Traveler program run by the Americans. Canadian customs officers would help process the applications. The direct benefit is to our integrated economy and to our way of life. Whether it's for work or whether it's for family reasons or whether it's for vacation, uh, anybody who goes back and forth across that border uh, really benefits from this. But the Prime Minister wasn't able to get much traction on one of his economic priorities, securing a trilateral commitment to invest in Canadian critical minerals. He'll get a second chance in March when Joe Biden visits Canada as president for the first time. Omar. All right, Judy Chen tonight in Mexico City, where for the first time President Biden publicly addressed the discovery of classified documents found in a private office he kept in Washington after he was vice president. I was briefed about this discovery and surprised to learn that there were any government records that were taken there to that office. But I don't know what's in the documents. I've, my lawyers have not suggested I ask what documents they were. 
The materials, some reportedly containing briefings on foreign countries, were found last fall. Republicans are slamming the Biden administration for a double standard, even though Biden says his team reported the discovery proactively. It comes after the FBI's unprecedented search for hundreds of classified documents at former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. The Trudeau government said tonight it will work with a parliamentary committee expected to investigate contracts worth more than $60 million given to a single consulting firm. CTV's Ottawa Bureau Chief Joyce Napier on the demand for answers. The opposition wants to know why McKinsey & Company, a consulting giant with offices around the world, has been awarded tens of millions of dollars to handle critical government policy. We need to know what this money was for, what influence McKinsey has had in our government. Calling the whole process suspicious, opposition parties want a parliamentary committee to question ministers and civil servants to find out what this money was spent on. They subcontract some of the very basic functions and roles and obligations and responsibilities of the states to a huge private society who does not provide public services, it does provide profits to its shareholders. Since it came to power in 2015, the Trudeau government has awarded more than $66 million in contracts to McKinsey to advise several departments, from Public Works to Canada's Border Agency to the Immigration Department that alone has spent $24.5 million in contracts. All governments have contracted professional services. Michael Warnick was Canada's top civil servant for three years. He now works with the consulting firm MMP. A lot of the expertise in IT, financial management, um, uh, real property management, environmental uh, uh, issues um, lies outside of government and it, it, it makes perfect sense to rent that expertise from outside from time to time. But the process does remain too opaque, says the opposition, as governments are increasingly resorting to external consultancies. According to a study by Carleton University last year alone, the federal government outsourced close to $15 billion. We think that when you have uh, qualified public servants to do the job, we shouldn't be contracting the same work out to high-priced consultants who charge much more. In a statement released today, McKinsey said it does not make any policy recommendations on immigration or any other topic. And it welcomes the opportunity to testify before the parliamentary committee that will look into its contracts with the Canadian government. Omar? All right, Joyce, thank you. Time for a short break, but when we come back... You know, so much violence and bad things happen out here. The man allegedly murdered by a swarm of teenage girls. Plus, an epic open house in the ancient city of Pompeii. Police in Toronto revealed the identity tonight of a man who was allegedly swarmed and killed by a group of teenaged girls outside a downtown shelter. Today, he was remembered during an emotional ceremony. CTV's Adrian Gobriel reports. On December 13th, a Jane Doe passed. A small, somber ceremony for 12 lives lost at Toronto's monthly homeless memorial service. The death of Ken Lee. Toronto Police identifying Ken Lee as the victim of the late-night swarming attack last month that shocked the city. 
When you put a face to a victim, all of a sudden that victim becomes human. Known as Kenny on the streets, the 59-year-old is remembered as a quiet man who spent years in and out of Toronto's shelter system. We need to remember that he was uh, in the midst of trying to transition out of homelessness. In the early morning hours of December 18th, Lee was sitting near a downtown shelter when a group of teenage girls allegedly approached and tried to grab a bottle of alcohol from his friend. My friend Kenny, he saw it. Stop them. Leave her alone, right? And then they... All... Three 13-year-olds, three 14-year-olds and two 16-year-olds all charged with second-degree murder. Only one of the eight have been granted bail so far. A former homicide detective believes more will be released from custody. They are young persons and they are going to be treated differently than, say, an adult who really wouldn't get bail at this particular stage of the investigation. Toronto police allege the eight teenage suspects appear to have met online and travelled from different corners of the greater Toronto area to the downtown core on the night Lee died. And we're creating society and messaging that reinforces the lack of value for houseless people. One anti-poverty advocate believes Lee's alleged murder was avoidable. We have uh, people that have been neglected by society, which tells everyone that they don't matter. And it's incredibly sad and, and tragic, but none of this is really inevitable. And I think that's a really important thing for all of us to, to wrestle with. Of the 9,000 shelter beds available in this city, nearly every single one was spoken for last night. It's expected to be the same tonight and the rest of the winter. Adrian Gobriel, CTV News, Toronto. A jury in Joliet, Quebec, about 50 minutes north of Montreal, was shown images today of a fatal crash in 2019. The accused says he was trying to avoid running over a family of ducks. Video presented in court shows a black pickup truck stopping as a duck and her ducklings crossed the road before swerving across a double yellow line into oncoming traffic. Seconds later, a motorcycle traveling in the opposite direction collides into the vehicle. A 19-year-old man was killed. Still ahead, the man who shattered a Guinness record but might not want to admit it. The billionaire whose massive fortune has taken a hit. The last king of Greece, Constantine II, has died at an Athens hospital. The 82-year-old had been suffering from chronic heart and mobility problems. Constantine reigned for nine years, beginning in 1964, during a turbulent time in Greece's political history. He was forced to flee the country in 1967 after leading a failed counter-coup against the military junta in power at the time. His rule ended when the monarchy was abolished. He was an accomplished sailor, winning a team gold medal at the 1960 Olympics. He was also Prince William's godfather and lived in London for years before returning to Greece. The ties between the former Greek monarchy and the British one run deep. But tonight, it's a history of bad blood instead of royal history that has people talking. After days of explosive leaks and allegations, Prince Harry's much-anticipated book finally hit store shelves. I really want to see for myself what the true story is. The memoir, titled Spare, is the fastest-selling non-fiction book on record, with more than 400,000 copies sold, including audio and e-books. The book shares Harry's grief over the death of his mother, Princess Diana, along with fights with his brother, Prince William, heir to the throne. 
Harry also takes aim at his stepmother, Camilla, accusing her of leaking stories to the press. And Elon Musk, who is used to making headlines of his own, has set a new Guinness World Record for the biggest loss of personal wealth. The world's second richest person lost $182 billion U.S. since November of 2021. And there are some reports that number may be much higher. The previous record loss was $59 billion by a Japanese tech investor back in 2000. The drop for Musk started after he bought Twitter, but a 65% decline in his Tesla stock is the major reason for the dramatic plunge. Still, Forbes estimates his net worth remains at $143 billion, a massive fortune. After the break, stepping back 2,000 years, an inside look at Pompeii's fascinating restorations. The world is finally getting a glimpse of an architectural time capsule reopening to the public after years of restoration. A house in Pompeii, once owned by former slaves, is providing spectacular insight into daily life in ancient Rome. CTV's John Venavelli Rao on the fascinating frescoes and what they reveal. Pompeii is an ancient Roman city undergoing a kind of second rebirth with visitors to the massive historical site rejoicing at the latest site. Tourists once more marveling at the magnificent frescoes in a home that's undergone a remarkable restoration. This project director says the architecture and paintings are simply excellent. Walking inside, it's like stepping back in time 2,000 years into a home with a pool that could collect rainwater. It took 20 years to return it to much of its former glory, with frescoes showing vivid colors once again. Some of the finest examples of first-century Roman art. So you have the great artwork. The, we are seeing here the last phase of the um, Pompeian wall painting with incredible um, details. Not too long after these were painted, nearby Mount Vesuvius erupted, famously burying Pompeii in volcanic ash. This home, first uncovered in the late 1800s, features images depicting Greek mythology, including Hercules as a child, with some of the works erotic. A home thought to have been owned by two former slaves who got rich through the wine trade and clearly loved art. It's all, all about saying, well, we, we have made it, and so we are now part of this elite, local elite in, in the Roman world. Closed to the public since 2001, the gardens have also been restored. Pompeii, which suffered from decades of neglect and pillaging by thieves, has been making a comeback. In the last few years, an ancient fast food snack bar was uncovered, along with a chariot. Researchers have even deployed a robot dog to help protect Pompeii's glories. And now, an extraordinary home with elegant old frescoes, fully open to the public once more. John Venavelli Rao, CTV News, Toronto. Just an incredible journey back in time. And that's a snapshot of this Tuesday for all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching and have a good night. Five crucial questions to expose the truth. Who's at risk? What needs to change? When will justice be done? There was actually a plot to kill you. Where's the proof? Why did this happen? Watch W5 Saturdays at 7 on CTV.